Welcome to Invest in Women, the podcast series, your insight into the growing wealth of women and the issues that impact their business and yours. See what happens when you educate, empower, and invest in women. The Invest in Women podcast is so proud to have Schwab Advisor Services as our sponsor. Schwab is passionate about helping independent registered investment advisors find new ways to grow their business and attract diverse talent to our industry. Explore your path to independence at advisorservices.schwab.com. Welcome to Invest in Women, the podcast series. I'm Antoinette Rodriguez, social media editor at Financial Advisor Magazine. Our guest for today's episode, episode three, is Cheryl Hickerson. In 2018, she started Females in Finance, a private online membership organization on a mission to support the hiring, mentoring, training, and advancement of 100,000 women in financial services or financial technology roles by January 2025. Joining us from just outside of St. Louis, Missouri, the Uber Evangelist for Investing in Women, Welcome, Cheryl. How are you? So I'm good great. to see you again. Nice to see you. Well, it's been it's so funny. You said outside of St. Louis and, and people hear that. They think how, just how outside, because if you've been to Missouri, <laughs> yeah, we got a water tower. That's about what we're known for out here. But from my front door to like touching the arch is literally 22 minutes. So it's just doesn't take very long to get into the country life when you live in in the loop. That's great context. I'm on the other side of the Brooklyn Bridge, but people that don't understand how quick, yeah. how close that is to Manhattan. That can, that can oh, yeah. I, I get all the boroughs there. So you guys have, it's amazing. And I'm so excited to talk with you today because we didn't get a whole lot of chance to talk and invest in women. And so this is a lot of fun for me today. Yes. And we're, we're very privileged to have you. Mm. So to introduce you to our audience, whoever doesn't know you, which might not be anybody, really, <laughs> everyone might know you. Tell us a story about your background and how you, what compelled you to form the Females in Finance Group. Oh, my goodness. So I have been working in financial services since I was 19. And I got a job 100% by accident. I had moved from St. Louis to San Francisco and I had $1,000 and I thought I was rich. I had saved all this money and I got there and I was poor like in one day. And I was like, uh oh, I need a job. And so I went into the Kinko's in Berkeley, California, and I copied the resume straight out of <laughs> the book, just like the uh, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. It worked for her. I thought, well, Christina Applegate, I'm coming for you. And I did it. And I actually faxed the resume to the wrong number because I didn't know how to fax. And I faxed it to an insurance company who happened to be hiring. And they called me and said, we think you're looking for something else, but we're hiring. Would you like to come in for an interview? And I'm like, absolutely. So I ended up going into the city and I tell everybody, it's so funny, young people, they think they have the cell phones. I have my pager still from when I got that job. Wow. I still hold on to it. I keep it on my desk because it's interesting. It kind of tells you where you come from. Like this was a very expensive thing to have back in the day. And the rest was kind of history in the sense that I got there and I was just really curious about how we were helping people. What did it mean? Well, like, what was the end result? I would love to say that I went into it because I planned to be a financial service person. I did not. Actually, I went to school pre-med at SLU. I got in there and was like, wow, this is a lot of homework and I'm way too social. And that was a great conversation with dad. 
and left, moved to the West Coast, and I started working in financial services. But I really kept moving through the ranks of what's the next thing that I could be doing. And it's great because when you don't know anything, they can train you to learn anything. Right. And so I think the natural curiosity part of me actually moved me through from doing that to getting into estate planning, to getting into family financial planning. And the list just went on until I finally left. Uh, I left a really great job with a very large insurance marketing organization because I had gone there and said, I really think there needs to be a focus on women. I don't see anybody really doing it. A lot of it has actually a lot to do with with FA magazine, because I had gone to the invest in women conference, like one of the inaugural ones. And I came back and said, that was so fulfilling to be in a room filled with women. How do we do that? Let's, how do we make that happen um, on a scale that we could work in all the time and sort of females and finance was spawned from experiences like you provide for all of us and others where there was no women to be honest. So I wanted to find what the median of, of that experience was, and that's how females and finance came to be. That's great. Well, when you mentioned the younger people, I was thinking of that term fax machine. There may be people oh. out there that don't even know what a fax machine is. Yeah. I- well, I have to, you know what, now that you've just giggled about that, when I hear young people talk about online learning, here's my floppy disk of all of the uh-huh. classes that I had to take. To I get, yeah, well. I know. I do it just to kind of remind myself where I came from, where we are today. And serendipity will remind me later to tell you about my five minute uh, educational experience in nursing school. So I decided not to be. (laughs) So you mentioned our Invest in Women uh, conference in Atlanta, and you do have this uncanny ability to make people like they feel like they've known you forever. Um, To what do you attribute that quality? You know, I am going to give my Midwesterners a hug because I think a lot of it really does have to do with humble beginnings. My, my father raised me, my mother died when I was six and yeah. And my father was really big on anything that want in the world is yours. You are responsible to get yourself there though. And no one's going to help you. No Mm. one's going to show up for you. You better do it for yourself. And you think, gosh, that's a really harsh lesson to learn at such a young age. But honestly, because I could hear my, my very country father in his overalls and, Mm. you know, t-shirt and stuff. And a lot of times my father worked at McDonald's Douglas. He was an engineer and we had a very good upbringing, but he kept us very humbled by it. And I like to give a lot of accolades to my dad because he really taught us a lot of hard work, tenacity, doing things over and over again to learn that this is how you, you know, not perfect yourself, but you have to be able to put the work in and not be scared of the work. So that when I went into financial services and started doing things I knew nothing about, I mean, honestly, you know, Antoinette, when I went into that interview, that very first time, I will never forget the guy asked me. And by the way, that man who hired me, his name is Robert Brumby. He is still a mentor of mine to this very day in his seventies. Yes. Um, that gentleman who hired me asked me one of the questions, which was, what do you know about insurance? And my answer was my dad pays my car insurance. Like mm-hmm. that was my answer. And it wow. was genuinely honest and stuff, but I didn't know anything. And I asked him years later, why did you hire me? And he said, because you were always curious and asking us questions. I can't teach curiosity, mm-hmm. everything else we can teach, but that part of it is so critical. And so I think that that all of that kind of brings back that curiosity of asking, like, tell me about yourself. And I think it warms people to know that there's people who genuinely actually care what you do in this profession, who you are, where you live, your family, 
And I feel as if that part of my upbringing uh, very much comes through in, in when I interact with people. So I'm, I'm very proud of it. I'm very That's proud great. of it. That's the, uh, the adage about that you are more interesting when you are interested. Exactly. In person, right. Yeah. So that's fantastic. So to the degree that when I reviewed your website, I saw a lot of really great uh, concepts. I wanted you to explain to us, how did you come up with the three, three C community building process at females yeah. in finance? Yeah. So the very first thing that I know women love to do is communicate. We enjoy talking and we don't need any jokes about it because I will tell you this. One of the things that I love the most about women is that natural curiosity to ask questions and garner more information. A lot of times we are looking for the relational parts of conversations, whereas men tend to be more focused on the transactional part of them. I know my husband, for example, can go play golf and do things. I can come home and be like, well, how are, how's so-and-so and how he's like, I don't know. I don't know. And us, we're coming home and telling you all about their family and their kids. And did you know they're going to college? And we extract a lot of information. So we have to have an open line of dialogue. The other thing we have to also remember is that not all that open lines of dialogue is in the same vein that maybe you like to receive that information. So for somebody like me, I put very clearly on my voicemail, do not leave me a voicemail. Like everyone in life has a, a character flaw, mine's voicemail. For some reason, my brain just completely divorces itself of that. So don't leave one. If you do, it's at your detriment. But I emails, uh, posts and things like this. We had to figure out what the communication line was and, and to provide that to them. The other part of it is, is the collaboration. Collaborating with others so that I know what it is that you want to accomplish, Antoinette, and I know what I want to accomplish. And then we talk and we're like, oh, hey, I know someone who does that. Let me get you in front of that person so we can get this done faster, quicker, because we are very, very uh, gritty, scrappy as women. A lot, there's a lot of behavioral metrics behind why that is. But, you know, and we also tend to come with an abundance mindset. We're not actually looking at things like, oh, if I help her out, then I don't get anything either. I think that a lot of times it's, we help people out. We're actually not very good at asking, what can we get out of it too? So we do have some confidence factors that we're working on in that space um, and being able to share. But then the last part of it is the connectedness because you have to have a sense of belonging. It's, it's a human trait of who we are. I mean, just as you know, as animals, we want to belong because there's safety in numbers. There is safety in being with groups of people who are like-minded. But I think that the other part of it is there's an individual component to it. Like, what can I get? And then there's a community level of what can we do to help foster a better community out of this too? You know, there's a really great book by Adam Grant called Give and Take. And I tell everyone to read that book because what it'll teach you is there's three types of people in the world, givers, takers, and scorekeepers. Scorekeepers undoubtedly are a lot of financial service people because we work with balance sheets. Numbers, we have yeah. to have numbers behind it, right? So yes. if, that, if we already know that going into it, that we're going to score keep to some degree, having an open communication line that works for everyone. Um, being collaborative or you get something and I get something too. So just because I win doesn't mean that you have to lose, you get to win as well. And then also providing that connectedness of sense of sharing and community and belonging that we all win too. So I think that there, it actually works to our benefit since we're already scorekeeping minded in financial services. And I just kind of built upon that. That's really great. And to that point about scorekeeping, I know that we have it an oft repeated uh, quote in our business that when a woman becomes a widow, that she is like 
80% of the time she will change her financial advisor. Yes. And I think a lot of it does come from that. Maybe that message she might've received from the male financial advisor about a transactional type of relationship. Absolutely. And, you know, so, you know, concept. Oh, we well, don't well forget. Yeah, we don't <laughs> no. forget. So I, I do warn our male allies in the group. I'm like, just so you know, right. <laughs> our memory is a steel trap. So be careful. <laughs> So on that note, is there something that you feel uh, about women that makes us ideally suited for the financial sector? 1000% and so much so I put it on our website that I believe mm -hmm. women will change financial services. A mm -hmm. lot of it is our uh, innate desire to want to serve. There is something about growing up. I think there is a lot of pressure on on younger girls to taking care of, you know, families and things like that. I'm not saying I'm trying to dissect, is that right? Is, you know, I'm not doing that at all. I'm going to their natural ability to want to take care of other human beings. That nurturer component is inside so many of us and I'm overgeneralizing, but it does come out. I think that that works very much to our favor. It, interestingly enough, when you look at the bottom line of the numbers that they do on research, it'll tell you that those offices who have women, strong women, especially leading women, their bottom line numbers are better. We're out there looking at personal currency in addition to their actual physical, their, you know, fiscal currency, their money. And so the personal currency element, women uh, will know that people will put themselves in debt to take care of their children. They will put themselves in, in, in dire situations to make sure that that continues to move on. And so I think that women bring sort of a balance, if you will, to, to financial services that they can look at the money component of it, but they're really looking at what drives people. What's the purpose-driven part of why people move their money, don't move their money, do something with their money, spend their money. They know that there's a behavioral mindset to it that they're looking very deeply into. The men that are out there that are really starting to weigh in and lean into their empathy, their self-care, they're all of the things uh, that I have to give you again, a really big accolade for all of the, the things that you did at this past Invest in Women, which was unlike anything I've ever been at. I actually made a list of all the words that I couldn't believe I heard at your conference, like self-care and empathy and such. Yes. The men are starting to recognize, hey, wait a second, I think those women are onto something. We need to start understanding. Those men who come and say those things, I love working with them. They've been, they end up being one of the best male allies out there. The ones I'm not going to work with are the ones who say, why do you people, you know, mm. why do you people have to do this? Why do you people have, why can't you keep up? And they go into meritocracy and all the other things I'm not here. Cause that goes to back to the scarcity mentality, which we're not about, we're about abundance. Sure. So I do believe that that's why we're going to be able to really move mountains in financial service. And we're willing to not only just adopt, but adapt. I believe there's a lot going on in the financial education space, financial wellness space, that women are primed and ready to go out there and work in that space because it's talking about the feels, the, the inside stuff. And it's been much slower, I feel, as if the, the, some of the men have sat back and went, oh, hold on a second. I, I don't even know anything about this financial education thing, right? And uh, we're so ready for that that adaptation that's coming. And uh, it makes me excited for our profession. It really does. 
Well, thank you very much for the shout out uh, to Eve Magazine. And I must say, you know, it, it, with all open disclosure, I was part of the board of directors to put together the content. And it literally was the men who uh, drove a lot of those other aspects that you just mentioned. So yep. we talk about male allies, you know, Charlie oh, yeah. and, Evan and Andy, they, they were fantastic. Absolutely. And related to uh, something else that you said, one of the things that I noticed from when I was a financial advisor at Merrill there was this shift, right, from a transactional to holistic financial planning. And that part, that shift alone was part of what I felt women could do particularly well to look at the whole picture, right? And not just that transaction to sell uh, that particular equity for the day. So, you know, again, to your point. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you've done a great job and you just talked about the male allies in your messaging and membership. Why did you do that? And what do you feel are the unique benefits of that? You know, we're going to get further faster with our men than without them, but we need the right men. We need Mm. the right men. And I don't think it's all of them. Sorry, guys, if you're listening, you know, it's not going to be all of you. And, and I go back to what I just said. I do get the calls about the you people and why can't you keep up? And I'm not here to entertain all of that. I've been on this planet more than 50 years. I'm good. I don't need to go down that anymore. But I do think that the right men put women, women of color into rooms that they didn't have an opportunity before. Carla Harris was really big on talking about being sponsor, having sponsorship in the room. And I think that's great. I think the next evolution of the sponsorship is understanding what our responsibility is when the calling happens to go after it, to take risks, to make the leap and do the things that you're terrified of keynote speeches that you may have never done. You have to say yes to, it should be the year of yes all the time. I feel like now, you know, to quote Shauna rhymes. I mean, it really is. And so if that's the case, what can we be doing with those male allies to make certain that they are honoring, you know, whether it's missions like we have, or even that you have and making certain intra, you know, bringing more women in and through our profession. Part of that means that they show up and they don't speak on mantles anymore. They start asking questions like, why is this a, you know, a whole entire panel of white men? Shouldn't we be diversing? They have to use their voice and they have to make suggestions of women that, Hey, did you know this woman does this? The other thing too, that we have to be very, very careful of Antoinette is not just keep featuring the same women. I have seen what happens is like, we found out who our 15 uh, prized pillar women are. And I love all of them dearly, many of my friends, but I think even I want to see fresh faces up there. I want to see fresh faces of people we've never seen before. One of which I I'm going to go back to your conference a years back. I distinctly remember the exact moment where I was sitting when Rianca Dorson Bell was very young in her profession. She was sitting on the stage and you were talking about the next generation of advisors coming back. I was sitting in that room right next to another woman I knew. And I said, that woman's going to be somebody listen to the way she holds herself and talks. I had never seen her before. She had a different name and everything else. I loved everything about who she was. And we all know that name today, right? You can recognize that greatness. I mean, it shows up. We need to give that spotlight to women who've not had that opportunity again and again and again. The men need to recognize like, hey, start stepping up people in your office and say, pay attention to this person. They're doing great things so that we know, or you know, as well for events and such to have them talk so that we can learn. We're only going to learn 
and be the very best that we are by having diversified speakers. And so we need to hear from all of them. And it is going to take go a lot further, faster with good men at our side. Yes. And I know for me, and clearly even with the, with our event that we did recently, they made me the chair, right? Uh, yeah. Antoinette Rodriguez. So there was, it was some symbolism to that. And I had a number a of job. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, again, I was, I get all the credit to a degree because I get to be out front, right? <laughs> no, but I know that you were very good about giving the team uh, all their accolades too. So, I mean, just really, you did you. a fabulous job. Thank you. Thank you very much. And, and to your point, we would like to improve on that. One of the things that we were discussing in our board meetings is that part of the reason you don't have more women of color on the days is because they don't necessarily have the depth of experience and exposure from the beginning. So it's kind of a beast that feeds into itself. So you don't have them out front, therefore they don't develop the experience and the exposure and the, let's say the social media following as people that you talked about the 15 people that are the most featured, right? So, so there's that, there has to be an active, uh, pulling up of, of women of color. And, and I think that this is something I know you've done. And, and I see Financial Advisor Magazine. This was something we were very cognizant of and would like to be even better on. So absolutely. So thank Here you for help. that. What What do you feel is the most useful piece of advice that you received when you were putting this group together? Oh my gosh. So I was on a television program in New York, I don't know, a few years back and a kind of similar question came up. And what I have gone back to is the advice I received to, to keep standing in, if you know, it's true and you know, it's right. And you know, that it's going to change. There's going to be a lot of people who are going to be like, and walk away. They're going to think, uh, uh-uh, here's another group. It's I've got that one too. Another group. Okay. And what I liken it to is elf when, when buddy goes in and Zoe Deschanel is singing and he loves her voice. And then he told her you should sing. And she says, I can't sing in a store. And he stops and he goes, I'm singing, I'm singing in a store. And he's singing. She's like, stop. That's wrong. You know what we have to do? We have to be able to teach and we got to start young. We have to start teaching, especially our girls. You keep singing. And when somebody tells you that you're a terrible singer, you sing. And when somebody comes up and says, why are you singing by yourself? You keep singing. You keep singing and you sing and you sing because one day, and that's all it takes is one day, someone's going to come along and say, I really like that song too. I'm going to sing with you. And it's not that person who changes it. It's the person who comes after that. Because as soon as remember what I went back and talked about community and having safety and numbers and people, when there's like-minded people, and now you've got two, all of a sudden the third person comes over and says, I want to be a part of that too, because then FOMO starts hitting in, you know, that fear of missing out becomes real. And then the next thing you know, you've got people and that's exactly, you know, what happened for us. We had, I thought it was going to be 200 people, it's 3,400 people now in three years. That's insane. But because all of a sudden the singing mattered, I wish that when I was younger, someone had taught me to stand there and sing a lot Mm -hmm. longer and be okay in that discomfort of being awkward. But I'm so glad that somebody said that to me in my forties, my late forties, when I decided to put, go all in on my retirement, which is nuts. Uh, I didn't know there's going to be a pandemic, you know, whatever, but I mean, it, I went all in and said, you know what, I'm going to sing out here for a while. And I sang and sang, and there was a lot of pushback. Now people all of a sudden they're like, I think I get it now. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that that's the part is if we can just be okay, feeling awkward and alone 
and still feel mm-hmm. confident in that because it's just right there if you believe in it and it's right and true. In uh, my, my Latin mother, Puerto Rican mother used to say, you should not um, basically die with la, la musica por dentro, which is the music within if you leave it inside. Mm. Right. So See, that it, just, I, got, I just got chills. I literally <laughs> just got chills from that because that's so true. Right. Yeah. And, and I have to tell you very quickly, I was at a store one time, very, uh, gentleman had his younger daughter, they were going through the self-checkout and, you know, and he, she asked her dad, can she, you know, boop, put the stuff across the thing. And he's like, yeah. So she's boop, you know, putting it in boop. And so she was okay. Uh, booping everything and putting it in the bag. And, but when it came time to pay, I noticed that I was standing there watching her and she turned around, she put her hand out to get the card from the dad because nobody's using cash. And he says, oh, I'll pay. And I literally intervened because I felt so compelled, just like somebody who told me to stand there. They leaned in and said, hey, I leaned into a conversation, nothing to do with me, but I leaned in and on that behalf of that young girl. And I said, for all due respect, she can handle money as a girl. Mm. she can actually handle that if you let her and you could be doing something really, really powerful right now by letting her pay. And he kind of stopped for a second. He looked at me like I was crazy woman, of course, but he looked back at the girl and her hands still remained out there. And he put that card down. He goes, let me show you how this is used. Okay. Ah, I walked away because I felt as if I had walked away and said nothing. I would have left that situation, not better than the way I found it. And that's what somebody did for me. They left my situation better than the way I had found it. You know, it's just, it, we just have to keep making little micro changes like that. So your point about your mother and that being inside, it's so valid and so true. Yeah. Thank you. That's a great story too. I'll bet that little girl, uh, she remembers that moment. I hope, you know, and, and the funny thing is it comes up in later things, right? Where all of a sudden they feel confident. It's the confidence that we're instilling in them that girls can handle money. They can handle math. They can handle metrics. They can handle all kinds of strategy and tactics. And we just need people to believe that we're so much better than what they think we're less than. And we're not, not at all. And that I think is those little micro changes that we need to keep making in our communities and even in our work life and inviting someone to the table. Like if you want to make something real change happen, instead of letting people wander around at conferences, which they're going to be coming back, when you see someone who look and you, we know the look at the conference are looking like, it's like the lunch table, extend your hand out and say, I, there's a seat here. If you'd like to sit down, you don't know how much that could mean to that professional just to feel included. Right. And it's, it's literally just a micro change. It's just being kind. And you're going to learn from somebody new, go purposely sit with people. You don't know. You'll learn all kinds of things you didn't know. So I love that part of what we are able to still do. And it makes me hopeful. Well, I love everything you've said. And we, uh, I can't believe how fast this time has gone. I just wanted to find out from you how our audience can get a hold of you yeah. and what you recommend, what's the best place and best way to get a hold of you and to watch what's going on at Females and Finance. Absolutely. Well, you can always go to the website. There's so much stuff there at femalesandfinance.com. You can pretty much find me anywhere online under, you know, whether it's females or finance, just look for bionic socialite. I tell everybody, uh, and people always say, why don't you use your name? I'm like, if you know, Cheryl Hickerson wants to call me and let me have my name back on all this stuff, I'd really appreciate it. But I've been bionic socialite for gosh, a decade, 15 years now. You can look there too. I'm very easy to reach as far. And I'm quick to get back to people. I love supporting others. On behalf of financial advisor magazine. 
we would like to thank Cheryl Hickerson for her contribution to our Invest in Women mission. To all of you, our audience, and to our sponsor, Schwab Advisor Services. In our next Invest in Women podcast, episode four, our guest is Stacey Brown Randall. She is the award-winning author of Generating Business Referrals Without Asking and host of Roadmap to Grow Your Business podcast. You won't want to miss episode four. Thank you for listening to Invest in Women, the podcast series. Your insight into the growing wealth of women and how to attract and retain your female clients and help scale your practice. Learn more by subscribing to this podcast or visiting fa-mag.com.